This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today we discuss the often controversial topic of being submissive to those who have God-ordained authority over us, as well as showing Christ-like love to all. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here with Thad Keenel. Good afternoon, Matthew. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well, yeah. We uh, had a family wedding this past weekend. My daughter was married, and so I'm still... uh, Recovering a little bit from that, but doing well. We had a glorious day, and so grateful for everyone here at our church who contributed and helped us pull that off. So yeah, what a nice yeah. time that is. How'd you, did you make it down the aisle? Okay. Yeah, I made it down the aisle. I even I even did the last part of the service. I uh, Pastor Winans did the first part in the homily, and he'd done all their premarital counseling. And I, after we had a family prayer time, I got up and did the exchange of the rings, and I pronounced them man and wife. <laughs> and I I tease and, and kind of say I just uh, if you know the the movie Anchorman I'm not recommending it but it's uh, the character Ron Burgundy is the main character and he's kind of known for just reading whatever's on the teleprompter oh. <laughs> and without thinking about it yeah so, you and just, so, yeah, so that's they, what I did I said I just do my best not to think too much about what I'm doing and yeah. just just play the role it's tough because you want to enjoy the moment <laughs> yeah. to a degree right and I can remember getting ready to the doors open up and I'm getting ready to walk sitting yeah. down the aisle. And uh, I took one step, and I could feel it welling up. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose it. And so I, I started thinking about all my college football yeah. coaches, and I was trying to just think <laughs> of their names. And I went down. I was totally absent from, yeah. from the moment, but I had to do it. Otherwise, right. I felt like I was gonna be. Yeah. You know, that's a, yeah. you know, it's tough, father daughter. It is, and it. But I, one of the things I did try to do is embrace the joy and, and not focus on the fact that, you know, I'm. Uh, not really losing my, I'm gaining a son and I, and all that kind of, you know, all the, you know, all the positive <laughs> yeah. stuff. And right, so yeah. It was great. It was great. So, um, yeah. So hopefully my brain works still today. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to recover, but, um, yeah, we're excited to get back into Colossians here on the Planted Podcast. Uh, we are, uh, going to be finishing up chapter three today and in, in even finishing verse one of chapter four. Uh, we have been, Again, one trying to teach through the book of Colossians, but as we do so, we also have been trying to impart some Bible study tips uh, along the way, and, and 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 even some hints on how to help with interpretation. We're not, you know, we're not doing a full fledged hermeneutics course here or anything, but just helping along the way. And I do want to throw out a couple terms today that I think are interesting uh, for us to consider. That's important interpretation, and, and really in some sense, has come together in this, in what we're looking at today. And so there are uh, something scholars call the historical context, and we've talked about that already. We spent some time talking about what col- the, the city of Colossae was like in some Roman culture, and we've brought that up along the way, and we'll touch on some things like that today. So the historical context is the setting and the people and the, the cultural things going on there. And the other is the literary context. And the literary context is often, is this poetry, is this historical narrative, is this, you know, a letter as we're in here, which contains a lot of uh, didactic teaching and things like that and so forth. But within that, within that, there even some of those genres take on particular literary forms. And what we have Today, as we were talking about Christian households, is there something, um, there was a particular code, household code, 
that was common among Roman times. And so in this sense, you can have literary form or the particular form a literary genre takes in a particular culture is affected by is affected by that. And so in this sense, I think we have a literary context and historical context coming together some in this in this household code. Yeah, and there there are probably today. some serious clashes uh, between the Jewish Hebrew culture and the Roman Greek culture yeah. as well. So maybe some of that's going to come into this. Yeah, it can. And there can be some similarities, but also differences. I mean, there's, there's in one sense, you know, both were somewhat male dominated cultures, but the way that that plays itself out within the two cultures can, can look different, you know, mm. too. So, okay. so yeah, the other thing, just as we speaking of literary context with, with this letter um, that, that contains this household code, it's also, Paul's also doing it in light of everything he's written before. So Paul's taking this household code that would be common in Roman culture, um, and he's, 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 uh, he's, he's giving it a theological framework that's going to be different than the Roman culture, and it's based on everything he's argued in his letter up to this point. Uh, and so, so before... Uh, we finished in verse 17 last time. I'm going to jump back and start in verse 16 and read through 4 verse 1 because I really think verses 16 and 17 in a lot of ways are dictating the way Paul is presenting this household code to Colossians. So um, I'm reading from the ESV here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven." Dad, would you pray for us as we discuss these verses? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, for your guidance. We pray that you, by your Spirit, would direct our thoughts and the intents of our heart to line up with yours, and that as we wrestle through some difficult verses and verses that people uh, struggle with and and the direct intentions of, of you, Father, pray that uh, your perfect intentions and the love that you give to us by your grace and mercy would just be manifest to us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last time we we took a big section, um, I think verses 5 to 17, and and so we didn't spend a whole lot of time on verses 16 and 17. So to put this in context, Paul is applying the reality of the preeminence of Jesus over all things. And how that is applied to us through faith in Christ in our acceptance into the back into relationship with God that we are his people uh, that we have had the canceling of our debts um, with all those legal demands he's disarmed the rulers authorities all those things 
um, that we get to participate with God. And in this constant phrase of of being in Christ, or it's through Christ, that Christ is the center of all this, right? And it's because of that, then, that we, in chapter 3, were to set our minds on the things that are above. Because we've been raised with Christ, because we've been seated with him, who's at the right hand of the Father, that we are to consider that old way of life, that old mindset, that, that flesh dead, and we're to put on the new life, the new creation. And it's out of this new creation that we live. So we put to death all the desires of the old way. We put on the new way, this new creation. It's this new creation living that we're that we're still in, that this household code now, Paul is putting in light of the new creation living. And, and so in so verse 16 as in 17 introduction to this, how do we put on new creation living? We do it through the word of Christ dwelling in us. So we have to let that dwell in us richly, that to take up residence within this new person, this new being that we are, and, and that's what governs us. And so with that mindset that is governed by the word of Christ, whatever we do in word or deed, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. So that's the governing principle that is then guiding Paul as he now enters into this Roman practice of this household code that has... Um, this Roman literary and cultural context behind it. Uh, but what he's doing, he's taking that cultural dynamic that is there and he's submitting it to the rule of Christ uh, in the midst of that. And so I think it's very important for us to, to know that. So then in verse 18, when he says, wives submit to your husbands, he qualifies that with as is fitting to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so we have to ask ourselves, what was the, how were wives viewed in Roman culture at the time, right? I mean, that would help help us know in, in terms of the Roman household code. What would that be? What would what would submission look like in that time, as compared to maybe what Paul's getting at here with uh, a biblical view, a, a, a Christ, a Christocentric view of this. Did you happen to look at any of the words uh, there used? Did, did you happen to look up the word submit at all uh, or, or or think about that in a biblical context? Well, I did. And okay. I, I mean, when I looked, when I just was reading through and, and, and got through the individual words, it seemed to be exactly what the English was saying as, as far as submission goes. And... First of all, it's really hard if you take this verse by verse. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you just took verse eighteen in isolation, um, you're going to make women mad. If you, <laughs> if you, you know, I mean, you really, you really could. You know you what could, I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's it's interesting. Now, if that's only if you don't say as is fitting to the Lord and as part yeah. of that, right? Right. But there there is a headship um, and an order to all things, and it, uh, the easiest way for us to uh, look at that might be in terms of how we are to relate to Jesus Christ, our Lord, because these are all good forms of uh, of relationship yeah. aspects, right? right? You shouldn't look at this and immediately be turned off and say, "Oh, it says submit." That's a huge negative, right. you know. So there's yeah. the, there's that part of it, and so going back to what your question was as far as submission goes, there's a hierarchy to spiritual authority in 
in the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. So the man is is as the head of the household has spiritual authority uh, to kind of make that tie-breaking decision, so to speak. <laughs> you know, that's that's the way I was seeing that. Okay. Well, what a couple of things, and we'll get into that a little bit more. One interesting thing about this is is even with the some of the Greek grammar of the word. So the word can mean like to subject, uh, to become subject to, um, but even is to subject oneself as well. And, and, and the fact that it's here, what we have here is the middle voice. Suggest, I mean, I'm just reading from a commentary here, the ESV uh, evangelical commentary says, the middle voice suggests something like submit yourselves. That is to say this instruction is not a harsh order intended to bring cringing subjugation. Rather, it is a call to make a deliberate decision to choose to act in a certain way. The rationale for such choice is, is it is fitting to the Lord. So it's very interesting that in the Roman mindset, the male of the household had the authority, right? And, and, and so therefore, the wife was automatically in subjugation. She didn't have the choice to be subject. I mean, it's kind of even radical to think that Paul would tell her to submit herself because it would just be the reality, right? So I think it goes back to what you're saying, that we know that in Christ there's neither male or female, Greek or slave, Scythian or free, right? Um, in, in that sense, that, that's from Galatians. But we see a similar statement made here in, in verse 11 of, of chapter 3. He says, here there's no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, citizen, slave, free. He doesn't include the male-female here, but in Galatians he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think we can assume that 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 would be the same mindset right. here. So he's not talking about that. But so because of that, the woman is thinking, okay, right, we're on we're on equal spiritual ground. But he's saying, submit yourself, right? Uh, and so so the idea that in and of itself is a radical idea that that the woman would even have a choice to do so, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, you know. And so so I think that that's interesting. But then it's as is fitting to the to the Lord. So I'm going to keep reading from the, the commentary. It says, thus, the primary reason for the wife to choose to respond positively to this imperative is not her husband's will, but the relationship she has to Christ. A form of the same verb is applied to Christ himself in 1 Corinthians 15, 28. When, it, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Now, we're not going to go into to all the discussions about that verse because there's a lot to unpack from 1 Corinthians 15. But the point is it's the same thing as applied to the to the woman as is applied to Christ, as is applied to Christ. Mm-hmm. The same verb form, everything. And so it's very interesting then that that this really is giving the woman a radical new identity than what she would normally have in the, in the Roman household, right? That she's now placing herself in subjection to Christ. Um, and as you said, then, as the man who's that representative, the federal head of the family, just as Christ is the federal head of the family of mm-hmm. God, right. that, she, um, that what she's doing is actually being Christ-like in, in, her, in, in submitting herself to her husband. And so... That's um, it's sometimes hard to wrap our head around that, given the cultural context. But I think that's in essence what's what's happening. Well, one here, thing right? I, I think that we want to maybe try to avoid is um, being, especially in today's culture mm-hmm. of 
you know, all the stuff that's going on around us yeah. is that there is so much opposition to particular roles. Right. Well, when, when God lays out roles for how the family's to operate, mm-hmm. um, that's a good thing. And so there, it's important for us to be obedient to those roles, but we want to make sure that we understand, as I was you know, kind of saying earlier, that first of all, that men and women, they're equal partners in salvation. I think I said spiritually, but they're equal partners in salvation, right? So yeah. this this verse and these two verses here that we're reading doesn't imply any inferiority to one partner to the other in that regard, right? right? But then again, there there is subjection and when I see, and maybe I'm wrong here, maybe I read this wrong, but I'm going to ask you the same thing okay. um, with women submitting themselves to their husbands in the same way as it is as fitting to the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. That I see that as an idea of almost how we're obedient to the laws of the land, for example, where a president or whatever, and he's saying, you know, now you need to kill somebody, you know, while well, we obey God. Do we obey God rather than man? Yes. And so I was reading that portion of it um, as is fitting to the Lord in that manner, but I don't think you were saying it that way. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm, it could be taken that way. Um, I, I think I'm putting everything back even in mm-hmm. light of verse 16 and 17 too, that the word of Christ is dwelling in our hearts. Sure. And, and so uh, and so in word and deed, we're doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it it always has to be my the wife's subjection to the to the husband always I don't think she, if the if the husband asks her to do something that is against the name of the Lord, that is against the word of God, um, she's not to do it right. Well, and that's what I, and that's how I was reading that, right. right. But I think you are making it a little bit broader as well. Well, I think, yeah. well, I think it is yeah. in some senses a little bit broader in that. That she doesn't just have to view it in terms of of law, but and, and even we understand that that our relationship to the law is always in in covenant with God. Well, right, uh, yeah. I guess let me then add. So what I, the way I stated it was kind of the negative way to read. And yeah. I don't mean that negatively. I just mean the negative way to read it. But the positive way to read that is in the same way that Christ submits to the Father. Right. Mm-hmm. There's that same relationship. So the Son is subordinate to the Father. In, in a, something, in, 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 in an in, aspect, even though they're both co-equally e- they're God, co-equally and, God. I mean, yeah. they're both Yahweh, right? I mean, yeah. And, and it's hard to almost say even both, right? right? But it is, but it is. Right. It's true. And so, you know, I think in, in one way, especially if we in that First Corinthians fifteen twenty eight, there's a sense in which as his as he submitted to the Father, which I think was all in agreement with all persons of the Trinity, that his his role in salvation was to become Messiah, was to become human. And be subjugated in that sense, and to die for us, right? And so, in that sense, that's what he did. And in that sense, as as he became human, truly human, that that part is all is always in subject in subjugation to the Father, you know, in into to the to the divinity in that sense. And right. so, um, so yeah, so in that sense, there is something. Um, similar, you know, to to what the wife is being asked to do that that in her will, because there's a sense in which the will of the son, right, which is always in total agreement with the will of the father and the will of the spirit, right, right. But it was particularly the son who had to make that choice, 
right? And right. so particularly the wife here is making that choice. Right. Yeah, and, and, and in that sense, I think that is also as fitting to the Lord. Yeah, and so right? the idea, um, I think we'll, it's helpful for us to remember that we're dealing with something that's to be at least right. ideally a perfect partnership. Right. Right. And so it's not it's not intended to show conflict at all. No. Right? And so when you go on to the to the next verse then it, it kind of smooths it out because it Yeah. And then I think but I think I guess what I'm trying to communicate a little bit is there's actually some sense that this is an exalted role. Mm-hmm. We often think of you know with authority and subjugation. There's a sense in which, if you think about what Christ did in, in Philippians two, in his humility, in his not grasping that, it actually then exalted him to the highest place, right? And if we see in the Old Testament that the same word for helpmate that is you that he, that she is to be a helper at Eve is to be a helper to Adam. That same word is used of God. God is our helper, mm. right? And so we need to see that that. Picture is bringing a fullness to the Godhead um, within how you know that man and woman are an analogy to that, that that our marriage relationship is an analogy to Christ and the church and all that kind of stuff. That there's something that that you can read this as oh I'm being in submission, but what I'm saying is there's a there's a sense in which we need to see this as exalted. That the, the right. submission itself is an act is is an act of ex- exaltation. Uh, right. To some to some degree, right? As is fitting to the Lord. So 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 yeah. At times that that means you know if in our human relationships you're like okay it's time for a tiebreaker, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's you know it's not that one's good or one's bad in a biblical sense. They're both good options. And okay, it, when the woman says okay, uh, let's um, okay, um, you know, it, it it can be good to stay here uh, with our family. Um, and and to continue off the job you have, it could also be good, you know, to take that promotion. But it means we have to move to Baltimore or whatever, right? And there's not there's not necessarily um, a you're not going to violate the word of God by in either one of those decisions, right? But the, a decision has to be made, right? And and if there's not, and the the goal is that there would be full agreement. But there's times when you're like it, we keep we just don't reach it, and so at, at that point. You have to, you know, if somebody's going to have to submit, <laughs> you know, with that. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and I would even say it doesn't always just have to be the wife who does it, right? Um, but because, like in Ephesians, a parallel passage of this in Ephesians, it, it, its introductory is, is not whatever you do in word or deed, it is submit to one another <laughs> right. out of reverence for Christ, right? Sure, yeah. So there are times like um, where the husband choose, can choose to do that too, but ultimately I think it, it does, you know, in some sense practically fall upon the husband to, to you know, to, to, to be Really what it's, it, doing, what that, it's right? doing in this text is telling both both parties to to be and consider consider Christ yeah in these and be things, and, right? and have a servant's heart exactly because yeah. let's go on to verse nineteen as you said provide provides a balance of this says husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them now it's interesting here it doesn't put it in connection with the Lord but it but the word love that's used here is a form of is the word agape mm-hmm. um, the the agapeo I think here mm-hmm. but and so now in you know in Greek, it doesn't all, it, it's, you know, it's kind of is this self-giving love, but it isn't, sometimes it can be just used as a general word for love. But in context here, and in context of how it is used in scriptures of Jesus, we know that 
it's most likely in Paul's mind and in the mind of, of, of the Lord through the Spirit um, that this is that self-giving love, right? That it is, it is that uh, kind of love. Um, and especially if you look at this, this phrase that follows in, do not be harsh with them. Right. The King right. James says bitter, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's right. very appointed and, right. and, and harsh. Right. Yeah. And so if we think of the conflict described in Genesis chapter three as a result of the fall, Right, what you have, you have this battle. The part of the curse is a description of God. I think some handing men over to their choices, mankind, just like in Romans, and one of the ways that shows itself in the curses. I'm using air quotes here. They're often <laughs> referred to in in Genesis three. Uh, they're often called the curses, but it's a description of what life is going to be like with man and woman outside the garden. Right, when they're pursuing wisdom in their own eyes, they they want the knowledge of good and evil on their own instead of seeking the Lord and getting life from the tree of life. You know what what's gonna what's that look like? Well, there's right. a, you, you, it describes this battle. Right, that, that it mentions the one thing which almost doesn't sound this way, but it says, you know, Eve, your desire will be for your husband. Right, and that doesn't mean that there's a an attraction desire. Yeah, it, it means the desire to rule over. It, yeah, exactly. But the, he in turn is going to rule over her, right? Right, which isn't necessarily a positive um, thing either. You know, it's it, it's it's this. You know, probably it's a response back to that, right? And, and so, so the issue is here: the redemption of all that is to love your wife and not to be harsh with mm-hmm. her, right? Which again is very different from the Roman culture as well, where he had every he could be as harsh with her as he wanted to be. <laughs> Right. right. And so, but that is not doing everything in a word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father, right? right. That's not the way that works. And so, um, so yeah, we see, so what we have here is actually what I'm trying to convey is a radical transformation that the gospel brings to the marriage relationship in the Roman culture. Um, it, it, um, and it shows itself in women being willing to, you know, in their choice to, to submit to their husband. And their and their wife and their husband having a self giving love to to his wife and not being harsh. Well, with and the, her. the agape love without being harsh dissolves mm-hmm. the dictator. Yes, right? exactly. Which this is what this does because right. you because you you can't have that agape right. love and display that agape love when you're being right. harsh and bitter. Right. Or, exactly. Yeah. And so so. And because what could happen is, is the husbands could hear uh, and even maybe later read, but I'm think I'm always thinking about they're hearing this letter read to them, right? Mm-hmm. And they could think, oh yeah. If if their initial response is yeah, you got to submit to me, right? Right. That's eh. <laughs> that's the wrong attitude. Consolation right? prize. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, which you know at times you know I I uh, I can be prone to to think that way. You well, know? our flesh so, all you know is always trying to escape the, right. the spirit um, sometimes. So it goes right on down from there to the to the children. Then doesn't it? It does. And so uh, children obey your parents. And it's interesting. This word children. I think it's the Greek word technon. It it it's. It's not age specific, really, and so you could be. It could be referring to here to as adult children as well. Um, but so the nature, because the nature of the household in in antiquity would very much be multi generational, right up to the patriarch right? of the family. Yeah, and especially even if you think about um, Roman citizenship, you know the. Uh, you could achieve status and things like that. There's something about being under the protection of that of that father and the, the household estate and stuff, and you would not get that inheritance. And similarly, in, in in Jewish culture too, until the father passed away. I mean, think about the story of the the prodigal son, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so and not not too different here in in Roman culture too. 
and then there was a something they actually referred to as called the pater familias. Um, I re- actually remember this term being used in a in a movie. I'm I'm talking a couple different movies here, <laughs> not, not necessarily recommending. But we'll call it "Brother, Where Art Thou?" Uh-huh. It's about this guy who's I don't know if you see who's have, escaped, yeah. and at some point in that, his his wife, because he was in prison, was found another man was going to remarry and all these children was going to go to this other man. And he, at some point he goes, but I'm the paterfamilias. <laughs> and I remember looking that up. But it is, it's a Roman practice at the time. And mm-hmm. so the paterfamilias is this, um, it just basically means the, the father of the family is what the term refers sure. to. But with it is a cultural understanding that at the head of the Roman family was the oldest living male was this paterfamilias is the term. And he looked up after the family's business affairs and property and could perform religious rites on their behalf. So there's even a religious context that came into it. Um, but it says, but the paterfamilias had absolute rule over his household and children. And so that absolute rule, put that, put absolute rule in the hands of a fleshly human being. Right, and you end up with <laughs> a dictator, basically. And you can, you, that can be, you can be very dictatorial and yeah. very extremely harsh, uh, not only with wives, but even adult children, right? And there'd be some reports that they could even have the the right to, um, you know, to convict their family of wrongdoing in such a way that could lead to very harsh penalties, potentially even death. So the subsequent verses, I mean, 18 is, is to the wives and then 19 is to the husbands mm-hmm. and it eliminates that dictator role, right? And then the same thing yeah. here, um, as far as in a negative sense, um, with children, obey your parents. And then right after that, it, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children. Exactly. So, it, you know, you, it, it's right. the same type of thing. It's 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 almost like lead your children in love, you know, exactly. and, don't, and don't be too harsh. Yeah. It's almost, so so here where the wife is asked to submit, you know, in, in some, it's a command, but it's again in that middle voice. Here, the children know it's directly obey, yeah. it, it, which, which if you think also fits with the Old Testament, I mean, that's... You know, children were to obey their parents. You know, mm-hmm. honor their parents. All that, all that right. is there. Obey your parents. Why? Because it pleases the Lord. Again, it's that there's that that um, that reasoning behind there. And then, as you said, fathers don't provoke your children, lest they become disp- discouraged. So again, the, the this whole thing is being turned a little bit up, you know, sideways, mm-hmm. almost, you could just say, almost upside his head. But he's still, in some senses, speaking the cultural language of the paterfamilias household code, but he's turning it on its side and and putting everything in light, or you could say turning it 180 degrees away from just the cultural thing to to submission to to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So then, um, now to even go one step further, we have bond servants included in this. Now, in my understanding of the household code is often it was kind of directed to the father on how he was to operate his household. Which one of the radical things is he's actually here directly addressing wives, directly addressing children, mm-hmm. directly addressing bond servants. And so um, now it could be that in some of the codes, they, they, it was kind of there, but it was always through the filter of the, the father. And here it's not necessarily in that. So it's just interesting to consider if that's important or not. But, but the fact that bond servants are directly addressed in the corporate setting is you know shows too that they have that co-equal standing with everyone else spiritually, right? Which is radically different from what they would have, what any kind of standing they would have in Roman culture. So 
they are also directly told to obey every in everything, just as the children are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's really is trying to get to how they do it. it. There's more time spent on the how here with bond servants than anyone else, which is very interesting. Right. And so they're not to do it by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Uh, when you read that, what 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 is that? What goes through your mind? Why? What can you picture a situation? Oh yeah, I mean, you know? I'm I'm sometimes I can remember being 16 years old and I worked really hard when the boss was looking, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. and when he wasn't looking, I might actually sit down and uh, rest for a minute when you know yeah. or whatever. Right. Um. So the, the direct opposite of what you're supposed to do as a as being subservient to right. a master, you know. Right. And uh, so, yeah, very, right. uh, that's my flesh. Yeah, exactly. And the reason is, is because now we have a different master, right? right? The, 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 the Christian bondservant has a different master, right? And so, yes, he has this earthly master, but he works differently now because he's not just serving an earthly master, he's serving a heavenly master who sees everything. Yeah, was it somebody yeah. that just mentioned that character um, defines the person that you are when nobody's looking. Uh-huh. Uh, did the pastor just mention that on Sunday? Yeah, he may. You know, that's I know that sometimes vision. Yeah, uh, uh, no, yeah. used to talk about integrity. Integrity and right. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's who you are when no one's looking. Right. right. Yeah. So 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 that that's great. Um, so whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now this is extremely radical here because. Did bond servants have any inheritance? They do not. They do not have inheritance, right? And so here's a, a bond servant who has no status, um, no inheritance, and now he has a reason to work, right, for a new master, because in this new master, he does now have an inheritance. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And so, yeah. so that is... It, now it's hard for us to sometimes relate. Now you you brought up the fact that when you were sixteen, you were working for a boss, and so how do we put this in cultural context? Because we don't allow slavery in our country anymore. We're not supposed to. It, it's still there under the radar. But but the um, I read this um, maybe a little bit different. Um, I mean, I know the words bond server, but mm-hmm. the Greek word is, is doulos, which simply means slave. Right. Right. Which is somebody that works to the will of the boss or to right. the owner, right. right? It's somebody that attaches themselves to somebody else for right. a reason, right? So in that aspect, um, sometimes uh, these people would be paid for or sometimes they would just work to mm-hmm. um, for food and, and shelter right. and, and all of that. And so there's... It's, but once it, they signed up for it, they were the property of, of who they who they did this. They're For whatever right. reason they entered into that, whatever reason, they became yeah. the property, right. right? Which means that they didn't have the right to leave. Right. And I think our relationship, the slave relationship, that the unrighteous to be a slave to sin, it says, mm. that in Christ, we're still a slave, right? right. But our, we have a new master. Yeah. So, but I love the slave language because it totally shows um, who our loyalty should be toward, right? And who yeah. we're responsible for and who we should obey. And the Bible doesn't make any apology for that. We don't right. we don't like the word slave, but really when your master's Christ, the most loving exactly. God, you know, God, right. you know, that could possibly be, it it changes. Plus we have the inheritance to be his brother. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. it's an amazing thing. It is. And so um but I think 
culturally speaking, how do we play state? Well, I think the, the, the employee-employer relationship is the closest we have. Yeah. And it works well. The only difference really is, is we can, you can always leave your employer. Right. <laughs> I mean, you may put yourself in a bad situation if you do, but you're, we're, we're free to do that. Where here they're not. But I think but the whole idea of how to work and how to treat is still very applicable, that I think that we can apply the, the, the boss-owner relationship here. Now, you own a business, right? And so, so here, you know, when verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, masters treat your bondservants justly, that, that, that can apply to you as an owner of a business, right? Um, and two, but, but also for employees, that they would um, – they would the, if you had employees who were serving the Lord Christ, you know, um, if they saw that as their master, they, you would love employees. <laughs> you probably have some, right, who yeah, do that. But, for sure. Yeah, but that, that's a wonderful thing, right? Um, but it's interesting. Before we get to verse 1 of, of chapter 4, I skipped over verse 25 here. So it says, For the wrongdoer we paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. Just because there is this you know, redeemed relationship and, and, and the, 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 the master, uh, I mean, the, the, the bond servant, the slave um, can serve as serving the Lord. That's a wonderful thing, but it's still an accountable thing, right? You know, it's one thing to be accountable to an earthly master. It's another thing to be accountable to your heavenly master, right? <laughs> and the heavenly master has placed, has placed people under earthly masters and he's given those earthly masters the right to exercise their authority, Right, and so, um, so he still he still says the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he's done. There's no partiality, you know. So um, that I think at times, myself or even I bring this up because I think in Western culture, um, where you know everything back to the you know like the French Revolution to now and even probably before that, but this you know, this radical idea of human individualism and freedom and libertarianism. And, and sometimes we, and as Christians, we often we want to root that in the freedom and liberty we have in Christ, right? And then we think as Christians, somehow we want to take that right that has been given us in Christ and apply it to everything. And, and I think we overdo that at yeah. times. And we forget this whole idea of, as we've talked about, willingly subjecting ourselves to Christ, which in that he's, he still has given us these authorities on earth that he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Uh, obey your earthly masters. Um, as an American here in the 21st century, ah, I, I bristle against that sometimes. Right. And I think the reason that um, this happens to us is that Typically, in our worldly ventures, even when we're Christians, uh, we're, we forget, uh, at least I tend to forget at times, that my actions to this person that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with or whatever, I might be the only light of Christ this person sees. Right. You know, and so if, if my actions don't exemplify or reflect Christ, his, his, his love for others and whatnot, then I'm, then it's very easy for that person right. to say, well, you know, Thad says he's a Christian, but I don't want any part of that garbage. He's not, he's not behaving any different than the way of the world. Yeah. You know? And so, right. um, our, our obedience in how we walk Christ out to walk in the light as he is in the light is what shows Christ to the world around us. Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. And in that sense, we are serving the Lord Christ. And so, uh, and then in, in, in the flip of that, then too, is verse one of chapter four, right? Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Mm. Um, that's, again, I just want to point out that telling masters to treat their slaves justly and fairly is a radical in the cultural context, mm-hmm. right? Um, radical. So this, because oh, here's the other issue people are going to have with this, right? Oh, the Bible's affirming slavery. Right. You know, that's the thing. That, that, that it, No, it, it's dealing with the cultural context in which is there. Um, and so we need to be careful with this in, in terms of what we're saying, it's affirming and so forth. But it, but it is a radical departure from, from the way that the Romans would view this relationship. Right. Yeah. So, um, so with that, the, if we think about justly and fairly, just those words, that to me, I, there's so much, so much in biblical verses, uh, Old Testament prophecy, and 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 just the Jesus teachings. There's so much that that I think about that. When you think about being just and fair as a witness to the kingdom, right? We're thinking kingdom principles here. Um, what what does that re, How does that supposed to reveal itself out as the people of God, right? Um, you understand what I'm, I'm asking you uh, there? When, as soon as you said, you know, justly, I started thinking of justice, but I know yeah. that's not, I don't think that's where you're going with fairly. So I'm, I'm so maybe ask yeah. me that a different way. Well, I, well, I'm thinking about, well, it's, um, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, like, what does it mean to, to demonstrate the love of God? As the people, I'm thinking about even like in the Old Testament. What does it mean to bear God's name? What does it mean to uh, to be a kingdom of priests uh, and a holy people? Right. That shows it. It shows itself in in both the way we worship, like like it maybe at the temple, if you think Old Testament, but it also shows itself in in how you work in relationship with each other within your household within. With your neighbors and all those things, right? That 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 um, that we are to um, love God and love one another, and that shows itself in in this way. And so, uh, so even as a master to a servant, I don't use my position. The fact that I own this property, you know, to use that um, thought process. Right. No, I'm thinking about. Them as a as a person, I'm thinking about the dignity, and so I don't tip the scales in my favor, you know, in how I treat them. I give them what they need, uh, not just what I think that they deserve, or or things like that. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. If you think about how does God want us to to live our life, well, I think you know maybe part of the justly and fairly, mm-hmm. um, as I couldn't let go of the justice part of that yeah. is the idea in that when we are working with people around us, and let's just say it's in the, the master-slave relationship or in the slave-master relationship, it, it doesn't matter because it, this is speaking to those who are in Christ 
right? That uh, the justly part of that is according to the word of God. So I think there's an aspect where we shouldn't feel like we need to be apologetic for some of God's hard, hard truths, but that the way that we display and explain his word should also be done in a spirit of love and kindness, right? So you can, you can rebuke harshly or you, you can rebuke in love, right? Right. And so in that aspect is kind of where I was leaning on, on the justly and fairly should be to be, to be fair with people. Yeah. But you don't want to be, um, compromising the word of God because people might have their feelings hurt because they don't like they don't like the way that's going. Right. You know, you could look at that in these relationships today. Almost just just to say that people say, "Well, it's okay if I have an affair." Right. You know, that, that, it's my choice. I can do whatever I want. No, let me tell you something. Um, I, I love you, but you know the the word of God says that's one man for mm-hmm. one wife, and that's that's pretty much the end of the story. Right. Right. And I can say that in a, in a loving expression, but right. I, but I'm dead serious that the wages of that is is, yeah. is detrimental too. Right. You know. So I, that's kind of how I was thinking okay. about it. No, I, and I get that, and I, I think that that, but I think when it comes to like master slave relationship, yeah. sometimes I think the mindset, especially culturally, sure. But I think we can even I think we even fall prey to that sometimes in in. You know how well I, you know, um, I tra- I try to treat my family fairly and justly, right? But this is business, right? Yeah. And in business, I'm just trying to I'm, I'm trying to get the it's bottom line, and bottom line is I'm going to do everything I can to tip the scales in my favor to um to to get the most I can out of it, right? Um, and so it could be the same thing to an employee. You know, well, you you're responsible. You have to do all this, and I'm going to pay you. And if you don't like it, you know, go find another job. You know, kind of a thing, and 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 I think it's that that is right. um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Is, on that, that is yeah. going on, and so it makes me think about what does the Lord require. It's, I, I was trying to remember Micah six eight, <laughs> right? What does the walk Lord humbly, require of you? Live, you know, to walk humbly, to live justly, yeah. um, and that means in any relationship, right? Uh, so I can live justly with my in our in our culture. We very much want to do that for our kids, right? Uh, but. Here it's also saying master and 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 slave, and so uh, this when it comes to fairness and justice, we have the same responsibility to our to those relationships as we do to our family relationships, right? right? Yeah, yeah, right. excellent. Yeah, I think we I think we tackled her. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, we really I think we might just have one session left here with with Colossians. We'll. Next week we'll wrap it all up and and we'll uh, move on to the next thing. We got to talk about what we're going to do next. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's uh, right. let's do it. Do you think we can get through it, huh? No, <laughs> we're optimistic we're at optimistic, times. Yeah, uh, it's good. Well, that sounds great. Okay, right, we'll look forward to it then. All right, see you next time. Have a good week, everybody. time we will receive our divine imperative to walk with wisdom to the world around us. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.